You are now listening to a resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. It is our joy to glorify God by treasuring Jesus in the preaching of His Word. We pray this resource will be a tool used to aid in your relationship with Christ in addition to your local church. You guys can be seated. I'm so glad to have you this morning. Happy Easter to everybody. Glad you guys are here, and uh, can we just thank our band and the testimonies for um, encouraging us? Um, What just powerful testimony to what the Lord Jesus can do, and obviously it's for his glory, um, and uh, and it's been awesome to uh, to hear some of those testimonies to what God has done. Um, If you have a Bible, you can open up to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, that's what we're going to discuss today, and I I would love for you to look at it with us. Um, On a day like this, uh, I have so much joy uh, because I get to, to, to see and to hear testimonies consistently of what God has done. And so what we know from uh, from this uh, testimony of what the Lord Jesus does uh, through the resurrection is is powerful. And uh, for you personally today, as you come into this space, I don't know where you sit. I don't know where you sit with God. Um, when I was 22 years old, I came to know Jesus. Uh, I understood what the gospel meant for the very first time. I grew up in, a city, in the city of Chicago, and, and this was kind of weird to me. I'll just be honest with you. Like the whole um, kind of raising our hands, singing about Jesus, and understanding a life that would be fully encompassed by God, that we would live totally for him, is, was a little bit strange. It, it was extreme. Um, that was for the extreme uh, people of the world, and yet I would kind of keep God at a distance, and, uh, and, and that would be sufficient for me. And so maybe you're there. Maybe you've walked with God your whole life, or maybe you've played the part to where Easter and, uh, and Christmas are the days in which uh, you can come, um, and yet uh, it, it really hasn't sunk deeply or changed you. And I want to tell you that that the resurrection is a day in which you can sit back and observe and understand some things that I think will move you into a place where you would follow Jesus with everything that you have. Because listen, this day is pivotal. The day in which we celebrate the resurrection as Christians is so important. It's the testimony that Jesus conquered sin. He conquered death. He overcame the grave. And that has incredible implications for us. Incredible and very practical, very real implications for your life. And so just to name a few, if Jesus conquered sin and death, then there's no dark thing in your heart or your life that he cannot also defeat and overcome. That's one of the implications of the gospel. He death and sin once and for all overcame the penalty of its consequences before God and therefore can change your life. No matter what you've gone through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what your trajectory is presently, no matter what you're scared about, no matter what you're offended by um, in, in terms of who God is or what you're scared that maybe he could never forgive, the truth of the resurrection shows that he could have victory over your sin, over your past, over the darkness that's in your heart. The truth of the gospel and the the resurrection shows us that we can have freedom, that he has freed us from the slavery of sin. How? Because now the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in Christians. That's what the Bible says, that the Holy Spirit comes inside and he resides in the life of Christians. And that's the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And so that spirit lives in you, and if he can overcome sin and death and the grave by that spirit, if that same spirit lives in you, then guess what? You are not hopeless in your sin. When you come to know Jesus, you're not hopeless. I know that there's still lingering sin. 
I know that you're afraid that you will never be able to change. You'll never be able to overcome that. But the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, that member of the Trinity resides in the life, in the heart of believers who trust in Jesus, meaning he can overcome that. He pulled Jesus from the grave. And so we have victory. We have freedom. We see that there's also an ushering in of a new creation. In the resurrection, what we see is that you guys maybe know the verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. New creation. The old things have what? Gone, and the new things are coming. And so listen, the resurrection ushers in this new creation. When Jesus rose from the dead, it, it ushered in the last days or, or the final days. And what that means is that after Jesus has resurrected from the dead, there is now an ability to come to know God. You can be a new creation. You can be born again. That means that your old life is gone and your new life has come, that you're dead to your sin and you've been made alive in Christ and you will forever live with him for all of eternity. And so what we see is the resurrection speaks to so much, it has so many implications of your baggage, of your past, of your trajectory, of you being a new creation and conquering your sin. But there's one, I think, one implication that I believe outweighs all of them that everything else, all of the other implications rest upon. And that's that the resurrection does one thing primarily, which is prove that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God. Yeah, you guys can clap about that. I got a lively bunch today, I don't know. But that's what it does. Listen, when Jesus rose from the dead, it proved that Jesus really is who he says that he was or that he is. It's that he says, I'm the son of God, and I've come to save or redeem the world from their sin. And then he goes to the cross and dies for the sin of the world. But if he stayed in the grave, I think there would be a little bit of a wondering, like, Okay, so were the sins paid for? Did he really accomplish it? Or did he, was, he, was this just a crazy person, right? But when he resurrects from the dead, it vindicates him. It displays that he really is who he says he is, which is the son of God. Is that he can overcome the sin because he is the son of God. He overcame death. It testifies that Jesus really is the son of God. Now, this is important because think about in our culture right now how much we try to prove ourselves to everybody, right? The social media, right? Let me show the world that I really am great or worthy, Right, I think about um, the uh, American Idol show, right? Let me prove to the world that I can sing, right? You don't want me on that show, okay? Just telling you that. We would be, uh, I would be kicked off the, everyone would be, one of the like, laughing videos that everyone would have. Do you see this guy who auditioned, right? So listen, this is, this is what our culture is, but it, you know what's crazy? Is that when Jesus lived here on earth, he had a lot of accusations against him. Uh, you're, you're crazy. You really think you're the son of God? If you are the son of God, take yourself off the cross. Just like when Satan tempted him and said, if you really are the son of God, jump off this building and command the angels to save you, right? And yet Jesus took no opportunity to try to prove who he was to these people because in that sense, he knew that the resurrection was going to prove it once and for all. 
The resurrection was coming. He knew. He, he, showed, he, he showed signs. He loved. He pursued. But the resurrection was going to vindicate his claims once and for all that he really is the Son of God. Now, here's why this is important, because nothing else really matters except whether or not you believe that that's true. Really. If you believe that Jesus Christ really is the Son of God, then nothing else really matters. And if you believe that he resurrected from the grave, then the Bible says we need to believe that he really is the Son of God. And so then, again, nothing else really matters because one thing that God's working on my heart in, just personally, just to give you guys insight into my heart, is he's working on, Sam, pursue and do what's true and what's right, not what you, just what you feel. And so, like, when I'm leading our church, for instance, I look at the Bible and I look at, okay, Jesus never preached in such a way that kind of retracted just so people would stay longer. He always spoke in such a way that those who were going to follow him would ante up, and those who weren't would leave. And I'm looking at that in the Bible, and I'm saying, what am I going to do with that? I got to do something with that. And sometimes this, the church that I see in America doesn't look right. So I want to do what's right and what's true, not what I feel. And so for us, the implications are the same. When we believe Jesus really is the Son of God, that he did raise from the dead, then it really doesn't matter what we feel. What matters is, is it true? And if it's true, then it has great implications. Because then all of a sudden, he's not just a crazy person. I don't just don't like his claims. It's if this is true, I must choose whether or not to be all in or be all out. And this is what the resurrection does. It, it, it causes us to understand if this is true, which it is proven by the resurrection, then I got to look at what Jesus says in the whole Bible. And if he says all this and he really is the son of God proven by his resurrection, then I got to follow all of it. Because today, you know, I think about this day and, and all over the world, people are kind of coming out today. Right? Coming out of the woodwork, coming out to, to, to celebrate Jesus. And I love that. And you should um, praise God for, for his resurrection. We're, we're kind of coming out. But I think rather than kind of just coming out for Jesus, I think he would rather on resurrection day us to sell out for Jesus. Amen. Right? That he would say, yeah, you guys can give that round of applause. I mean, I love this. You guys are talking back to me today. I'm like feeling encouraged. That you would sell out, that you would look at the resurrection and say, okay, the resurrection to me, do I believe that that really happened? If it, it proves that Jesus is the Son of God, and if that's true, then there's no in-between. It's either I kind of just continue to come out during the special times of the year, or if that's true, then i got to read what he says, and there's only really one way to go, and it's to sell out. I'm all in. I'm all in for him. It's what Psalm 73, 25 says. Look at this up on the screen. That it says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. Can you say that about your life? Can you say that? And if you say, no, I can't say that, well, then I want to ask you again, do you believe that the resurrection's true? Because if it's true, then Jesus really is the Son of God, and then it doesn't matter whether or not we feel like we want to live this way, it matters whether it's true and right. And so I want to move you into a place where you wouldn't just come out, but that you would sell out because 
That's the only response to the real Son of God who rose from the dead. And so today, here's what I want to do. I want to look at this nugget of, of, of gold, of truth, about the resurrection that the Bible tells us. But in order to get there, I don't want to disconnect you from the totality of the resurrection. And what I mean by that is this. Listen, it's really easy to celebrate the resurrection disconnected from everything else that it really means. We can't just celebrate the resurrection without understanding the context of what this resurrection really implies. So what I want to show you really is just the gospel. I want to show you the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ that you would consider it good news. And by the time we get to the resurrection, that you would say, ah, this is what it proves. This is who Jesus is. And then we would see there's a response to the gospel. If I really believe that Jesus is the Son of God proven by the resurrection, then I would sell out. I would sell out. My goal is that you would today. So let's read this. Romans 1, 1 through 5, or 1 through 6. Ready? It says this, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which, uh, which he promised beforehand through the prophets of the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was declared, or I'm sorry, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared, there it is, ready to be the Son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. See how it proves it? From the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you who were called to belong to Jesus Christ. There's a few things that I want us to see about this gospel that I hope will just help you understand to shed light upon the resurrection and to help us understand what our response should be. So what are some aspects that we see of this gospel? The first thing that we see is proclamation. Now proclamation, you say, well, what, what is that? I don't understand how that's relevant. Well, I'm gonna explain to you. The first thing that we see in this passage is proclamation. If you see in the first verse, look at what Paul says. He says, Paul, he's introducing himself as a, into a letter that he's writing to the Romans. Paul says, I'm a servant of Christ Jesus called to be what? An apostle. He was set apart for what? The gospel of God. Right? This is what he's called and set apart for. Now, what Paul's saying here is this. Listen. Is that... For the gospel, I have dedicated my entire life, every effort, every facet, every component of my life is dedicated, listen, ready, to proclaiming this truth, to proclaiming that the gospel, the good news is true. Why? Why am I so committed to this? Why is Paul so committed to it? Because it's true. Everything rests upon whether or not this resurrected Jesus is real, that he's truly the Son of God. And because he is, Paul has dedicated his whole life to proclaiming it. Here's what he says. He says, I'm a servant, literally a slave. I don't understand, but if, if Jesus isn't real, you're not a slave to him for your whole life, right? That would be crazy. He's a servant, a slave, called to be an apostle, meaning that Jesus called him in person to be one of, in addition to, 
the original apostles on the road to Damascus because he met Jesus and saw that Jesus was real. This is a real calling in Paul's life. He's set apart, but he's only set apart for one thing. Listen, for the gospel, for the good news of Jesus Christ. He's set apart for the gospel. The gospel is proclaimed by Christians because of the significance of its claims. The significance of its claims are that Jesus really is the Son of God. And Paul is spending his life proclaiming it. Look at this, 2 Timothy 1, 10 through 11. It just illuminates what Paul's actually saying here. This Savior, Christ Jesus, abolished death and he brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Paul's saying the same thing here. For which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle and teacher. So Paul, because this gospel is true, is appointed his whole life to proclaim this true gospel to the ends of the earth. Why? Because it's true. Jesus is the Son of God. And this is his calling. Again, this in Galatians 1, 11 through 16. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached to me is not a man's gospel. It's true. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was, it, was I taught, but I received it through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it, and I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me, when I believe that Jesus really is the Son of God, he called me. He revealed this to me, and then he called me that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Listen, what I want you to see is that this gospel isn't just isolated to a resurrection story. This gospel is called by God to be proclaimed throughout the world. Why? Because it's true. Because Jesus really is the Son of God of God. The second thing that we see in our passage is the promise and the payment. So I'm just helping you understand the gospel so that when we get to the resurrection, you're like, ah, that's what it means, and that's why I should sell out. We see the promise and the payment. The next thing in our passage, look at this in verse 2. This gospel of God, the end part of verse 1, he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. And so here's what we see, a lot of interesting information here, that Jesus coming to the earth was the fulfillment of what we call the Davidic covenant. He was the king coming to reign once and for all, right? He was God's anointed king coming through the line of David. He really was promised through the prophets and through the holy scriptures, and now he actually comes in the flesh to perform a certain work. What was this work? Listen, this is just the gospel. What was this work? This work was to pay for your sins. He came as God's appointed king, promised king in the flesh so that he could actually die the death that you and I deserve. 
And so I'm just going to take you through this. Here's the good news. Here's the gospel. Here's what was called before the beginning of time, the promise and the payment of Jesus. There's a proclamation happening. People are telling of this story because it's significant and it's true. And what is the story? Here it is. Ready? I'm going to show you just through verses in case you never understood this. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so this is just the story. Ready? In the beginning, what did God do? He created everything. Everything. There's not one thing that exists that God did not make. And he didn't do it like it wasn't very hard for him. The Bible just says he spoke it into existence. Can you imagine you just wanted something and you're like, a million dollars. <laughs> right? Or uh, whatever. I need a pool right now. I want to jump in the pool. Pool. Right? Like, I mean, it's just crazy. So God spoke everything into existence. Now, you got to ask yourself the question, why did he make everything? Well, the Bible tells us, Isaiah 43, 7, everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my what? Glory, Glory whom I formed and made. So now we see that God created everything, and the purpose of why he created everything was for his glory. So what is his glory? His glory is his intrinsic worth, his holiness made manifest. It means that you can see the value of who God is. This is what this means. And so holiness means that we can see who God is, right? That's what holiness is. And what that, that's what glory is. Glory shows us who God is. So God made everything in the world for his glory, okay? And then what happened was Man and woman in Genesis chapter 3 decided to not live for his glory, but to live for their own. Genesis chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. The man said, the woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate it. And so what we see is God created everything for his glory, but listen, and woman decided to sin against the Lord, decided to not live or not reflect his glory. That's it. Now listen, I know this, some of this is hard truth to understand because you're like, well, that's kind of doesn't seem right that God would just make everything for his glory. But do you understand God is the most satisfying being that there is? By showing the world who he is, he's giving the world the best. Because what could be greater than God? Nothing, right? There's nothing greater than God. So if there's nothing greater than God, the greatest thing God could give you is himself. So the best thing he could do was create a world for his glory. Now, when we don't live for his glory or we don't love his glory like we ought, that's called sin. That's called sin. And so by this sin, look at this, let me just show you, Romans 5, 12, therefore just as sin came into the world through one man, the story we just read, and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all had sin. So now the whole world is full of sin. And this is bad news because what we see in Romans 3, 23 clarifies it. For now all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So now everybody's a sinner in this scenario, except God. 
And so then God, in this and knowing this, he promises, again, here's the promise, because we talk about payment and promise, here's the promise. He promises a king, King Jesus, the Messiah, to come and reign and rule on the earth again to take care of this sin. 2 Samuel 7, 12. When your days are fulfilled, he's speaking to David, and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up for you an offspring, that's Jesus, after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom forever. So there's the promise. And so now Jesus comes, and he says, listen, though your sin has caused you to fall short of the glory of God, there's a payment for that sin, which is eternal separation from God forever, because it would take all of eternity for you to pay on a sin against an eternal, infinite being like God. And yet he loves you so much that he says, listen, I know that, that your sin is ever before you, yet I'm going to pay for it for you through sending my son. And so that's exactly what he does, John three seventeen, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved, what? Through him. And now Hebrews 13, 12 clarifies and says, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. He paid for your sin. And now we get to the resurrection. He doesn't just stay in the grave. He doesn't just die for your sin, but he raises to prove that he is who he is and to free you from the penalty and the power of your sins. 1 Corinthians 5, 17, if Christ had not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins, which implies this. If Christ has been raised from the dead, guess what? Yeah. You're not in your sins anymore. And your faith is not futile because he really is the son of God. Everything banks on whether or not he rose from the dead. And so we see this story. This is the good news. This is the good news. We see this gospel. There's a proclamation because it's true that you would believe it and understand it. And here's the actual story, the good news. The third thing that we see in our passage now is the power. And now he reveals to us the power. Verse 4 says, and was declared to be the Son of God in what? Power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ our Lord. And so what we see is after this death, Jesus rises from the dead. The Holy Spirit of God rises, raises him from the dead in power, showing that death cannot defeat Jesus. Uh, sin cannot defeat Jesus. He truly overcame this sin and this, and this uh, penalty and this death, and he can do so and he will do so for all those who believe in him him. Power. Power of God to raise Jesus from the dead. He was declared to be the Son of God. That's the whole point of this verse, is that Jesus, by his resurrection, proved to be the Son of God. He's innocent. Listen, he's innocent. He truly shows that he's innocent. He didn't need to die for sin. He had no sin that would cause him to have any account before God to be paid for. Yet he did. He was innocent. His payment counts. He ushers in new creation. He has victory over sin. He can break bondage. This is what we talked about in the beginning, is that he can take all of your sin, all of your past, all of your trouble, all of the things that you think God cannot forgive or change, and he can say, did anything keep me in the grave? 
So again, this resurrected king, as we just sang, is resurrecting me, us, into this new creation. And so what we see in this is that God proves in the resurrection that Jesus is the Son of God. Now listen, let me tell you. In this, God was not simply delivering Jesus from death. He was vindicating him. By resurrecting Jesus from the dead, God was affirming what he said. He was declaring Jesus to be the Son of God in power. Now listen, church, we're about to be done. And if all of this is true, if this gospel is so worthy that Christians would proclaim it throughout history, over the course of time, from nation to nation, around the world, that it's so important, that it has eternal implications, that this proclamation will be so consistent that people would give their entire lives to it. And if this gospel shows us that Jesus really is who he says he is, that he died and paid for our sin, and if this Jesus was raised in power, proving that he really is the son of God, then there must be a product that takes place in believing this truth. Number four we see is the product. Because once again, everything hangs on whether or not you believe this. Timothy Keller says this, if Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about anything he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. So what I'll tell you is it doesn't matter what we feel. It doesn't matter. What matters is what's true. And and God's teaching me that. I know that's a harsh reality, but what I want to say to God is, okay, God, I, I do believe this is true. I do believe... Jesus, that you rose from the dead in doing so proved to be the Son of God. And what that means is that i got to hear what you say in your word, and I, my whole life's got to be all in. i got to sell out, not just come out. Because if you're the Son of God, then, then everything else falls in line, and I'm going to live my whole life for you. So what we see in the last part of this passage, look at this, verse 5, after we see the resurrection from the dead, we see that this Jesus through whom we have received, Paul's talking about himself, grace and apostleship, to bring about something very particular. And this is the product. It's the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations. And so this is the product The product is this, that if this is true, if Jesus really did raise from the grave, then he really is the Son of God. And if he's the Son of God, then there's only one response. It's faith, and there's the obedience of that faith. It's believing that he really is the Son of God and then living the rest of my life for him. It's what Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ. And so here is the question I want you to wrestle with today. And I want you to ask yourself actually a few of these questions, okay? And we're going to close this out. But here's the first question. 
Do I believe that Jesus really raised from the grave? That would be a good question to ask yourself when you go home today. Do I believe that that really happened? The second question would be coming from it that if I believe that that really happened, then what does that say about Jesus? Does it prove him to be the son of God? The third question is, again, flowing from that, is that if he is the son of God, what does that mean about my response to all of his claims in this book? And then if that's true and and that means it's an all-encompassing sellout for Jesus, there's no in-between, then you would ask yourself the question, then what do I do next? What should my response practically look like? And let me just give you a few things to what I think it means to sell out. It means to believe. It means first and foremost that you would believe that Jesus really is the Son of God and you would live your life for him, that you would trust in him, that you would tell him and confess to him that you believe he died on the cross for your sins. Then it would look like having an ongoing active relationship with him. That includes a few things. One, like obedience. No more sin. No more idolatry. Make Easter Sunday 2019 the day in which you put down your sin permanently. The one sin or the few sins that have been really, really uh, taking over your life. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be sinless until the day you meet Jesus, but that's what selling out would look like. The, the, the resurrected king's spirit is inside of you. Fight. Fight. Jesus can overcome it. It would look like obeying. It, it would look like being in his word regularly, like loving his word, eating and drinking from the Bible on a regular basis. It doesn't have to be this hard. Listen, just open and read. Just eat. Just start eating. Start feasting on this, and he will begin to change you and show you more of himself. It would look like, in addition to that, spending time with, in prayer with him. It's conversing with your heavenly father, talking with him through Jesus on a regular basis because you want to spend time with the one who's paid for your sins. It would look like being connected to a local church, like a, like a church that would have a family that you would look forward to committing to and encouraging, and other believers would come around you and love you and help you grow in your faith, that we wouldn't just kind of come out on the days, but that we would sell out for him and his mission. And so my encouragement to you is that if you believe that this is all true, that today, Easter 2019, would be a day in which you sell out for the rest of your life in your living for Jesus. Amen, church? Amen. Happy Easter. Now, before we get done with this, and for you guests, I, uh, you can just sit and watch and enjoy this, Okay. We have been memorizing a few books of the Bible. <laughs> you guys thought I forgot, didn't you? <laughs> I thought I would end on a high note, all right? Now listen, we determined we were going to finish this on Easter Sunday. And I want you to prove to every guest in this room that you've sold out for Jesus because you've memorized <laughs> these books, all right? So now, here we go. We're going to recite what we've learned so far up through Third John. And we're going to add two more books, and we're going to recite it as we close out this service, and we're done with the memorization of the books of the Bible. You all ready? Here we go. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, 
Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Now, if you're a guest, guess what? We're finishing today. You come back, you don't have to do this, okay? So, let's go. Let's, let's recite this by memory, then we'll add our two books. Ready? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Give yourselves a round of applause. Now, church, we got to end this thing. So let's add our two next books, Jude, Revelation. Let's just say it. Jude, Revelation. Say it again. Jude, Revelation. One more time. Jude, Revelation. Here we go. Take it away. This will close it out. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1st and 2nd Peter, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, Jude Revelation. All right. Congratulations, church. Happy Easter. So glad you're here. We'll see you next week. Let me pray for us. Father, we come before you today, and we're so grateful for the resurrection. God, we see that this resurrection shows who you are, that we wouldn't just come out today, but that we would sell out, that Easter of 2019 would mark a day in which we say we're all in. We're living for Jesus for the rest of our lives. We see that the gospel is the foundation of our faith. The resurrection is the final piece of it. As we see, God, that this gospel has been proclaimed all over the world, that Paul dedicated his life to it. Why? Because it's true. And it was so true that he gave everything he sold out. We see the gospel message, the promise, and we see the payment that you promised this king, this anointed king, this Messiah who would come. And you sent Jesus in the flesh to pay for our sins.
And this gospel, this story, this good news culminates in what we see in the resurrection, that by your spirit you raised Jesus from the dead, proving him to be the Son of God. Now, if we believe that this is true, God, I pray that we would be uh, receivers and, and appliers of and followers of the natural product that would have to take place, which would be the obedience of faith, that we would have faith believing that Jesus is really who he says he is, and that we, our whole lives, would follow. Everything hangs on whether or not it's true. God, I pray that we'd be people of your word, that we'd be people who believe, that we'd be people who pray, that we would be people who obey, and that we'd be people who are part of a healthy local church to encourage us in our walk. We love you, God. Thank you for this celebratory day as we celebrate Jesus raising from the dead. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this resource from the Field Church in Mandeville, Louisiana. We pray that it helps you to joyfully make Jesus Christ your treasure.